0: Collide's coming up, all right? If you didn't like that video, it wasn't for you. (laughs) Uh, Our incredible youth conference, Collide's coming up in August. Uh, Man, we're going to have some incredible speakers coming in for this, and uh, it's always powerful, life-changing. Make sure you get your students signed up for that. Social club's going to be at the after party. What, what? I'm definitely going to be there for that. You don't like Christian hip-hop. That's all right, but I do. Uh, so it's going to be awesome. Make sure you su- get your students signed. We've got a table out at the front entrance that you can get them signed up right there. Uh, that'll be good. Everybody doing all right today? Amen. Whoa! Okay, well, it's good to see you. Looking good. Come on, summer's coming on. But it's not too hot yet. It's perfect outside. This is like one of those days. I wouldn't mind having church outside today. But, but there's a lot of other days I never want to have church outside. So, um... <laughs> I'm glad we have a building. Uh, I want to just pass to you a little bit. We're, we're in the season. Raise your hand if you feel like you're a little busy right now. Come on. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. Uh, that happens this time of year. We're, we're coming uh, spring, coming into summer, and uh, man, especially you got kids. You got kids. You got all kinds of stuff. You're running around like a chicken with its head cut off, getting them at games, and all kinds of events, and all that stuff happening, and and uh, and I know how that is. Uh, I, I'm, I've got some of those things going on. My kids are still young, so they're not they're not trying to drive in eighteen different directions, trying to do a whole bunch of stuff. We still kind of crowd them up. But but I know this. I know that if you're not careful, if we're not careful as, as a family, uh, we're we're going to come to the end of this season. We're going to be exhausted. And uh, and what'll happen is you may already be like, yeah, that's me right now. Like I, I had to get a little extra coffee this morning so you don't sleep. But. Uh, the problem is that when you get exhausted, you will have a tendency to disconnect. And, um, and there is some amount of disconnecting that is okay. Sometimes you need to disconnect. But the problem is, and I do this too, that a lot of times my disconnecting also involves disconnecting f- from God. Uh, when I get to that place, ever, anybody ever feel like you're just kind of living for the next vacation? Like you're living for the next day off. Like, come on, I can't wait for my next day. You just kind of live for that. And you know, there's there's seasons where that will happen. I, I don't think that's ultimately where God wants you to exist. But, but I know for me, when I get to that place, I get on vacation. I'm so exhausted that I will disconnect. I'll also disconnect even from God. Like I wish I could say as your pastor, like I get on vacation. I'm like, man, I'll, I was vacation. I was up at four o'clock every morning seeking the Lord, beseeching him on your behalf. And the glory of the Lord was shining upon me. And it was, you know, it was just, but I sleep in. And I'll do my one year reading plan. <laughs> but a lot of times I'm like listening to it. Like I'm like, I'm spending time in the word, which is what I name my bed. And, uh, <laughs> some time with the Lord, which is with what I name my pillow. And, uh, and, uh, and sometimes man, I, I'm just, I'm a little disconnected. And then the problem is, you, you get disconnected from the Lord, then you get back from vacation. Guess what? You're still tired. <laughs> like, I need a vacation from my vacation some, for some reason. I just want to encourage you don't disconnect. Don't disconnect. Don't disconnect from your relationship with God. If anything, stay in your reading plan, stay in that, stay in the Word. But I think church is pretty important too. I think it's important to stay connected to the body of Christ, uh, and we all need that. And here's the thing: you you will see it, and we know it's going to happen every year, and, and so it's something that we expect. But I, I know that a lot of you, when summer hits, your schedule's different. You're at the lake a lot more. You're out. You, you may hit church once a month, if we're lucky. And and I'm not necessarily saying that that's good or bad, but I am saying this: don't disconnect from God, and please don't disconnect from the body of Christ as much as possible. Stay connected to your brothers and sisters in Christ. Are you guys with me on that? Amen. Okay, I don't think most of you agree with me, If that's okay. We'll we'll keep moving. I got to say it anyway. All right, so here we are, uh, year of the Bible, reading plan. Uh, We got through the first part, Genesis, and then God starts giving the law, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, end of Deuteronomy. Praise God, they're finally going into the promised land. Things change up a little bit. We don't have to listen to quite so much law. End of Deuteronomy, Moses goes to the people and says, look, if you will obey God's commands and God's law, he's going to bless you. But if you depart from it, you're going to be in trouble. Joshua hears this, he takes on that command, he takes on that commission, and things through Joshua were good. I mean, they're going in, they're kicking tail, it's great, they're taking the land, God is blessing them, things look like you're going really, really well, right? But we know the Israelites, and we know what's coming, because they have this bad tendency and habit of being in this cycle. Before you know it, as long as Joshua's alive, things are going good, as soon as Joshua dies, it's like, they just forget. They just forget everything. And they start Worshiping idols, disobeying God's commands, God's laws. Before you know it, things are bad. We're in Judges, so we're going to be looking at the passage Scripture we're going to be getting to this next week. And, uh, man, they get to this place where they're so messed up. They're crying out for God, and so along come these Judges. Along come these Judges, and the Judges' role was to defeat God's enemies and to rally God's people around God's plan and purpose again. The problem is, most of these Judges were bad. They were terrible. There was only a couple that were good judges, and that was Deborah, which is awesome. This, this woman is a hero of the faith, and then Gideon. And that's who we're going to talk about today. But here's the thing. When God first goes to Gideon, Gideon is a coward. He has no apparent leadership ability at that point. In fact, you'd probably just say he's not a leader at all. He's insecure. He's fearful. And he is complacent in his fear and insecurity. And this is where God shows up and begins to call him. This is such a great picture of how God works though. Because Gideon was a coward and he was insecure and he was fearful. It was the perfect person that God would pick to use for great works. And as you get into the story, man, Gideon did more in his lifetime than the the biggest dreamers could ever accomplish in their life. He didn't start that way. It was so important because if Gideon had been this incredible leader, if Gideon had been the smartest and the bravest and strongest and all this, and if he had gone and done the things he'd done, they might have had a tendency to say, look what we've done. But because it was Gideon, we all read it today and we're like, well, we know that's God. I think that that is a picture of what God wants to do in one way or another in every one of our lives. God loves finding us in our weakness because in our weakness, His power is made perfect. and God can use you in that place. Let's look at Gideon. Okay, Gideon, remember from Sunday school, remember the cool part, right? Where he took the 300 soldiers and he went and he defeated the Midianites, not the Mennonites, the ones that live in Pennsylvania, but the Midianites, totally different. Uh, But he goes and he defeats... The Midianites, it's an incredible story behind that. They're in a place where things are really bad. Things are pretty terrible at this place. Until one day, God allows, or Gideon allows God to change his life completely. In fact, he completes him, and that's what changes his life. And then we pick up on the story. So I want to talk about some lessons from Gideon. First of all, God has a plan that will change your life. God has a plan. That will change your life. The problem is sometimes we think that we've missed it. The problem is sometimes we feel like it can no longer happen. Maybe it's too late. Gideon knew the promises of God. When God finds Gideon in this place that he's in, Gideon is in places like God, what happened to all of your promises for your people? And he's discouraged and he's depressed. Here's the thing, though. Gideon remembers all the promises. He just can't remember all the reasons why they weren't walking in the promises anymore. He just knows that he's in a bad place, and that's all he can see. And in a way, he'd become a victim to his world. I think that can happen with us, too. I think we can get to a place where we're in a tough place, in a tough situation in our life, and we're mad at God. We're blaming God for it. And in a way, we can become a victim to the situation, the circumstance, the culture that we're in. And God finds Gideon in that place. But I just want to encourage you some, with something. that A lot of times when you're in that spot, and you're discouraged, and you're starting to give up hope, and you're forgetting the plan, you can't even see the plan anymore, and you're, you're mad at God, it's in that place of testing that God will give you a testimony. It's in the middle of that mess that God wants to give you a message. And that's exactly the setup of what's getting ready to happen with Gideon. But this is my Captain Obvious statement for the day. When you are in a place that you feel trapped, your potential will be trapped there with you. And because Gideon feels trapped, his potential is trapped. In fact, he doesn't even feel like he has potential. Joshua, or Judges rather, 6 The angel of the Lord. Now, a lot of uh, scholars actually believe this is an Old Testament. Uh, Jesus is actually showing up on the scene just because of how it was written in the original language. Come, came and sat, next, or sat down under the oak of Oprah. Anybody ever heard that name before? And that belonged to Joash. And I practiced this next name 18 times and still can't get it right. So we're going to say Homer. Uh, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep... It from the Midianites, okay, so let's unpack this, because if you read through this too quick, you're going to miss some, uh, some huge significance of what's going on here, okay, so God's people are being oppressed by the Midianites, and it was, they, they were like the, the ISIS of that day, they were going around terrorizing people, stealing crops, burning villages, who knows what they're doing with the women and children, it's a bad, bad situation, much like what we see in Syria, or in Sudan, and different places like that all around the world, The interesting thing is the Midianites are actually the descendants of Moses' second wife, okay? Which just goes to show you, be careful who you run off and marry. They may come back later and kill you, okay? Uh, But God's people are so afraid, intense fear, and it's understandable. And so here's Gideon, and he's threshing wheat. Not weed, wheat. And this is what this looks like. What you do is you get this pitchfork, you take some wheat, you throw it into the air, and when you threw it into the air the breeze or the wind would take the, the dust and the dirt and it would carry it away from the wheat, okay? And the more you did that, it would purify the wheat. And in fact, if you went to the market at that time, they had two different kinds of wheat that you could borrow. You could buy the unpure wheat, the wheat with dirt, or you could buy the pure wheat. And if you could buy the pure wheat, the pure wheat had a much higher value at market. So that's what Gideon is trying to do. The problem is this. He's in a wine press. A wine press was this deep pit, In the ground. Like deeper than a man is tall. He is down in this. And he is throwing this wheat. Up in the air. In this pit. The problem with being in a pit. There's no breeze. There's no wind. So he's just throwing this muck. Up into the air. And it's just coming right back down on him. Over and over. And over again. Movement. With no significance. You ever feel like you've been there before? A few years ago I had an opportunity on a missions trip to Mexico, we were helping a missionary dig footers for his house and dig his septic. But we did it all by hand. So his septic was supposed to be nine feet deep, ten or fifteen by seventeen feet. Digging that by hand, four of us. When you first start off, it's not that big a deal, but the thing is you never plan for how much dirt's going to be on the outside of the pit, right? So now we have these huge piles of dirt all around the pit, but we're way down in this thing, but it's so high, we're getting to a point where we can't even throw it over the mound, so it's just kind of hitting the mound and then sliding back down into the hole. Mexico in August, it's about 110 degrees. We're down in this hole, sweating profusely, frustrated, Every every once in a while, somebody's just not paying attention because we're tired. They just kind of throw dirt in the air and it's landing on everybody else. You you got mud and dirt and grime and it's just to the point where we're like at each other. We're like fighting and frustrated. Like we love missions. It's great. (laughs) Digging for Jesus. Awesome. Digging a big poop hole. Like, how much, how depressing is that? You're doing all this so somebody can take a poop. It felt like a lot of effort and a lot of movement with minimal purpose. And I think your life can get to that place. A lot of movement and no purpose. And here's the thing you stay in that place, you're going to get really, really discouraged. And really depressed. The Nazis would use this method with the POWs back in World War II. They'd wake them up in the morning take them out to the courtyard. There'd be a big, huge pile of rocks. Not big rocks, just kind of average-sized rocks. And they'd say, okay, I want you to start taking these rocks. I want you to move them from this side of the courtyard. Move them over to the other side of the courtyard. So they start doing that. They do it all day long. Moving rocks. One side of the courtyard to the other side of the courtyard. They do it. And it would take all day. Night would come, they'd go to bed. Next morning they wake up and say, now we want you to take this pile of rocks and we want you to move it back and put it in the same indention where it was the day before. Day after day after day. They wanted to break them down and demoralize them mentally, emotionally to where they, they could never rise up. They could never feel like they could accomplish anything significant. And I think that's exactly what the enemy does in some of our lives. It just gets us in a place where we just do the same thing over and over and over again. And we're moving. We're moving stuff. But without any real purpose, without any real revelation. If there's one thing that I would say to you, don't waste your life in discouragement. Like, don't settle for life that is in a hole, based on fear and insecurity and complacency. Don't waste your life in that. I feel like so many of us, we've lost our joy. David, he cried out to God, God, return to me the joy of my salvation. The joy of my salvation. Some of us have just, we've lost our innocence. We've lost that childlike thing that's inside of us. A couple weeks ago, we Cody and I caught Corbin dancing outside. Corbin, you like to dance a little bit? You like to bust a move? He didn't know we were filming him, though. But I think this is a great picture. This is a great picture of how God would want us to live our lives. Let's watch it together. We can bring the lights down on stage. That'd be great. That's my favorite move right there. That's there's Reeves. He's just like I don't even care. Here's the thing, usually he'll dance, but he'll dance to show off. He wants somebody to see him. That that song started playing and he just started dancing. His brother and sisters are walking around him, he doesn't even care. He's just out there, full of joy. And what what you can't hear, maybe you can hear a little bit, Cody and I are in tears, laughing. Just like... Belly laughing, just like gut, like hurt, like I had an ab workout laughing, watching this happen. That is where God wants you to live. He wants you to have that. Without the fear of what everybody else is thinking. Whether or not they're going to dance the same dance. That's not what God called you to do. God called you to dance your dance. One point or another, you want to be in a place where you laugh so much. Somebody's got to come and tell you to chill out. Hey, honey, what's wrong with you? God wants you to be at that place again. He comes to Gideon in verse 12. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. I love this. (laughs) Gideon, okay, he's probably just, he's like covered in muck. His angel shows up. He's like standing at the top of this pit. Hey, mighty warrior. Gideon's like, you are not very perceptive. Like, do you see where I am? Have you gathered that I'm here because I'm afraid? I want you to know that God is not going to speak to where you were. God is not even speaking to where you are. He is going to speak to where you can be. That's what he's going to speak to. And this is not just like a prophetic word. This is actually how he sees him. It's not like you're going to be a mighty warrior. He says you are one right now. You just don't see it. You don't see it. If you're ever going to get out of that pit, you've got to start believing more about what God says about you than anything or anyone else. You can't get out of that place until you believe it. And Here's the thing. God has never called you to a comfort zone. God will call you into something that you're going to need him more for. And the next thing he calls you into, he's going to call you into something you need him even more. And it's the greatest place to live your life. That's where the most joy and peace happens, is in a place of dependency on God. But he doesn't call you to a comfort zone. I dare you to ask God how he sees you. I dare you to ask him how he sees your life and your potential. Verse 14, the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hands. Am I not sending you? Like, hello? Who's sending you? We can get into a place where we're so comfortable. I see people in this, they're tortured. They're tortured, they're tortured in depression and all these things and, and, and they communicate and act like they want to get out of it but the truth is they're comfortable in it. They actually have created a dependency on that place. And God is trying to call you out of it. First Corinthians 2.9 However it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Five years ago, before I came to Cabot, I thought like I was like I'd reached what I was going to do in ministry till Jesus came back. I was working with a Bible school internship, these college age students. I knew that God was stirring in my heart that maybe something was coming, but I just thought it was going to be something that he was going to do within the school and when God called Cody and I to come here to Cabot, I want to tell you we never had this aspiration to be pastors of a church. We, that wasn't what we were looking for. We we're just trying to be obedient. but the truth is this, we got comfortable where we were. In a way, we were kind of in our own pit, our own wine press. And the, the ironic thing is this is one of the most like challenging extreme programs that were that was around at that point as far as what we were doing within this school, but it had gotten easy because we knew what to expect. (laughs) Now I don't know what to expect every day. You people are crazy. (laughs) I wake up every day in a complete and total dependency on God. I still don't think that I'm the most qualified to even do what I'm doing. Do not confuse that for how confident I am that I'm doing what I am called to do. But it doesn't mean that I'm any more like, I I never want to get to a place where I'm comfortable. That makes me shudder. Because I I have this fear that if I get to the place where I'm comfortable, then I'm going to start thinking, I've got this. And I just want to let you know, I know I don't. I don't. I don't. God wants you to be completely and totally dependent on him, but living in a place where you have to because of what he's challenging you to, because of the dream that he's putting in your heart, the vision that he has for your life. There's so many excuses, though. One of the things we can learn from Gideon is we're often d- distracted by the excuses. We're often distracted by the excuses. Verse 15, But Lord, Gideon asks, How can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. It seems to me that so many times when God starts calling people and talking to people and telling them stuff that he wants them to do, we like to talk about our butts. And some of us, we have little butts. And some of us have big butts. And some of us like to get with groups with other people and talk about our butts. And some of us like to get groups with other people and pray about our butts. But I think at one point or another, God is saying, stop talking about your butts. Get off your butt. Leave your butt behind and start doing something that I've called you to do. There comes a point where your excuses just do not hold water in comparison to the word of God. Is that funny, Corbin? You like that? <laughs> we don't say butt in our house, so this is like a big deal for him. He's not even sure what to do right now. It's a, it's a different Okay. Some of the excuses: I'm a single parent. I can't do that. My marriage is broken. I can't do it. I'm shy. I can't do that. I'm too old. I'm not educated enough. I'm too busy. I'm too successful. Something like that, that don't make any sense. Trust me. Trust me, I've talked to people, and that's not this is not exactly the way they say it, but this is what they're saying. I just have too much influence. I'm too successful to make time for the things of God. Too much going on. Excuses. Look, until you agree with God what God says about you, you're going to struggle with identity, and you're going to begin to build your life around excuses. Here's some of the excuses. Let's debunk a couple of them, okay? Here's one excuse. I'm too old. Like I'm kind of beyond my prime. I don't really know if there's a whole lot I have left. I'm too old. Okay. How old was Moses when God called him to lead the Israelites? He was 80. He was on his way to Social Security. God said, stop, turn around. You're going to lead a couple million people into my promises. And at the end of his life, he's 120 years old. He climbs a mountain and and then he dies. I'm too young. Okay. David was probably 14 when God anointed him as king of a nation. He killed Goliath. Mary was between 12 and 14 when she gave birth to the savior of the world. How do you know if God has a plan for you? It's easy. Are you breathing? Because as long as you're breathing, then there is a plan. God has a plan. God has a plan. I just want to encourage you. Stop trying to sell God on what you think you know about yourself. (laughs) Start believing what he says about you. God's like, do you know who I am? Do you know who I am? Do you know who you're talking to? I created a freeway system through the Red Sea for millions of people to cross. I raised people from the dead. I healed the blind, the lame. God is omniscient. Meaning, God has never had a new thought. God's never been in heaven like, Gideon, angel, everybody, I got an idea. He's always known. He's always known. He's always known. He knows. You can trust what he says about you. Number three, God's plan and promise has a great ending. Verse 16, the Lord answered, I will be with you. You will strike down all the Midianites together. So you remember the story. Gideon had to make a choice to take a step of obedience towards the things of God. Look, that you still have to move. You have to move. God using you is still depending on you being willing to be used and move towards him. But he got out of that pit and he questioned God. And it's okay to question God in the midst of your obedience. It's okay. But he started trusting him. So God started giving him this, he got, gave him an army. Wasn't a big army. Wasn't a great army. Gave him an army. Then he started whittling it down. He taking soldiers away. And so it got down to 300. There were tens of thousands of Midianites. He says, what you're going to do is you're going to get some lamps. And some jars. And some horns. Uh, and you're just going to go and kind of surround the Midianite camp on three sides and, um, and when I give you the signal you're going you're gonna to break these jars that are over the lamps you're going to start hooting and hollering and blowing these horns and then you win and they did that and the Midianites ran off and they never came back <laughs> we should be storming the gates of hell with a squirt gun because of who God is it wasn't the strategy that defeated the Midianites. It was just God. But it took obedient people to a crazy plan. I don't know what the crazy plan is that God is trying to convince you of. I'm just telling you, if you'll step into it, you'll never regret it. You'll never regret it. It'll be worth it. Proverbs 19:21. many are the plans of a man's heart. But it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. But God is going to accomplish his purposes. He will accomplish his purposes. He prefers to do it through you. He prefers for you just to say, here I am, send me. That's what he wants to do. At the end of the day, though, it is gonna be your choice. It's gonna be your choice. (laughs) Shake the dust off. Get out of the pit. If you want to see the winds of change, get up where there's some wind. So you can see some change. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. man I know God is definitely shaking, some moving in some people right now. There's some you've been wrestling with stuff. You keep wrestling with it. <laughs> keep saying, oh man, I just feel like every time I go to church, it's like he's speaking right to me. Well, it's probably because he is. The question is, when are you going to start being obedient? Here's the deal though. You can't walk into the plan until you know the one who's orchestrating the plan. You can't walk into the plan until you know the one who's writing the plan. And I want to give you a chance to know him this morning. The word says that the way that you have a relationship with God is through his son, Jesus. That's the only way. And it's you coming to a place where you understand that you cannot save yourself as a sinner. You need a savior. And the way that your sins are forgiven and the way that Jesus becomes your savior is is you bow your life to him as as your Lord. You just say, I want you, Lord, to have complete control. If you're here today and maybe you've never made that decision before, or you need to rededicate your life to him. If you're ready to, to take that step of faith and begin to step into God's plan, every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm not gonna embarrass you. It's just as a sign of faith, so I know who I'm praying with, let's put our hands up right now, if that's you. I need to give my life to God or rededicate my life to him this morning. As soon as I see your hand, you can put it down. Got it, got it, yeah, thanks guys. Family back there, family right here. Yes, sir, right over here. Bless you, bless you. Anybody else? I just need to get right with God this morning. Got you right here. Anybody else? I got you guys there at the back. Thanks so much. Thanks for being bold. God is good. Yes, sir. Anybody else? Just need to get right with Jesus today. Thanks. God's going to honor that. Come on now. Come on. I see it right here. Anybody else? Yes, sir. good when his spirit is moving. There's nothing like it. Anybody else? You ready to be obedient to this? Stop resisting. Okay. Got it. Thanks, man. I see you there at the back. Okay. Let's just do this. We had a bunch of people raising their hands, so let's just encourage them in this this prayer. Let's pray it all together and Pray loud enough to, to where if they're praying it for the first time, they can feel the confidence to know that they can, they can say this and mean it. Let's just repeat after me. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your Son Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. Right now, I ask for your forgiveness. Forgive me of my sin. Be my Lord. I want you to have control of my life. I want to live for you. I want to live according to your word. Help me, God, understand your love and help me to give it. Be my Lord, be my Savior, be my friend. Help me to live for you for the rest of my life. God, I thank you for every person that said that prayer this morning. You're so good. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your faithfulness, your patience for us, Lord. I pray that you encourage them, help us as a body of believers to come around the side of them, to encourage them and support them. God, I thank you that in every one of our lives, you're always calling us to life and life to the full. I thank you, Jesus, that you did not come and die so that we could live discouraged, mediocre lives you came and you died, but you got up and you got out so that we can get up and get out. So I just pray that you would just help us to make that decision right now. to Step towards you to get out of that wine press and move towards your plan. To you be the glory, God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give God a hand this morning. Praise God.